mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey guys, it's Candace, and you are listening to Directionally Challenged. We kind of thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we we're in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. I definitely don't, and that's okay. Kayla's out today, so you're stuck with me. Don't worry. We have recorded a hilarious episode of Directionally Challenged for you today. I am so excited. Just call me Jesse Spano. I am just dancing in my boots, sweating from my head. Today, we are sitting down with a dear friend of mine, Josh Blue. Okay, if you do not know who Josh Blue is, you have been living under a rock. I don't know if you just watched him on America's Got Talent. He was one of the top finalists. I have uh, had the privilege of knowing Josh for a a very long time. I was introduced to him uh, by way of my husband. They are both Denver locals, Denver natives. And ever since I met him, and I've been fortunate enough to see his stand-up set many times over the years, he is so hilarious, uh, not only off the stage, but especially on the stage. So here's a little blurb about our buddy Josh Blue. Following his groundbreaking win on NBC's Last Comic Standing in 2006, Josh Blue has risen through the ranks to become a well-established headliner at venues throughout the world. In 2018, Josh has crushed his set on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. In the same year, he was honored with a performance at the William H. Macy Gala at the prestigious Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, Canada. Critics have said Josh is not a cerebral palsy comic. He is a comic who happens to have cerebral palsy. However, his closest friends also describe him as a D-bag. I didn't say that. That's just part of his bio. So I don't think you're a D-bag, Josh. I'm sure maybe you and my husband would joke around like that. But I do know that you are freaking hilarious. Um, We cuss in this episode, so I'm just going to say it. You're fucking hilarious. And I could not be more excited to introduce our guest today, Josh Blue, right after the break. And we're back with Josh Blue. Josh, I'm very excited to be making 
my husband, Joe King, jealous today by sitting down and talking with you. Uh, uh, when did you guys meet each other, by the way? Because that's how you and I met was uh, through my husband, obviously Denver native. You're Denver. How did you guys meet? When was this? Yeah, I think it was from our mutual friend, James Hahn, who is doing piano. He's an amazing pianist. And I think he got Joe like Joe had said he wanted to come see my show. And I think James hooked it up and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had many nights hanging with a beer in our hand. Um, so this is a little different. It's the afternoon. Um, I could have a beer in my hand. I don't. It's just a sparkling water. But uh, I'm really excited to ask you questions that I don't think I would normally be asking if we were just... Uh, shooting the shit, hanging out uh, on one of our porches in L.A. or Denver or Nashville. Um, so I want to kick off asking, I think that, you know, obviously this is an important question, especially for who you are. So when was the first moment that you looked around a room and realized, holy shit, I'm really funny? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was probably in high school. Um, I was in a, a physics class and my, we had a very young teacher. He was like fresh out of college. And so we weren't that much younger than he was. And, uh, I had said the F word out loud and he goes, Hey blue, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? And without skipping a beat, I go, no, I kiss yours. <laughs> and the whole Oh, yeah. It was like a pause, and then everybody laughed. Like, even he laughed. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that was fun. You're like, I want to do that again. Yeah. It, yeah. I've always just loved making people laugh, but I think that really sticks out to me as like getting the whole room to laugh at the same thing it was pretty cool. I feel like that's most comedians is like they have that one moment, that one memory, specifically, whether it's grade school, high school, middle, like somewhere in school, like a school or a camp, usually yep. where they oh, just yeah, have camp. this like magical comedic where every all the stars line up. Um, I feel like it's very similar to a lot of people, like the first time that they like kill it on stage. You know, whenever someone goes up to do their first stand up, I feel like it's either I've heard they go up on stage and they like absolutely kill the first time and they're like, and then bomb the second time, but then yep. they just keep doing it because they love it. Or it just, they get bit by the bug that like first, like it, it just takes that like one big night or that one big joke. And it's, um, very, it's just very addictive. So once you get that laugh, you want that feeling again and you find a way to make it happen again and again and again. I feel like another thing that you hear often with comedians is how much their childhood played into them wanting to become a comedian and and basically their their parents being their like ultimate kind of like cookie jar of of comedy gold. It was that for you? Like did you are your parents very funny or unaware of how funny they are or did you have like unique child circumstances of, of Yeah. I mean, so my parents are very um like my dad is a professor. He speaks 13 languages, uh, just like a brilliant man, uh, but a very dry sense of humor, very sarcastic. And then I have uh, three older siblings, and they're all very sarcastic and dry. And that was just a very wry, smart humor in the house growing up. And I don't think my mom is particularly a very funny person, but but she gets it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a good audience. Yeah. So, you know, I could I could be funny to her and she would be impressed that like, wow, you're pretty young for saying something that like putting these two pieces together to make a joke or whatever. Were you watching stand up comedy or listening to it at all growing up or? You know, I didn't get to that till later. I mean, I remember um, like my buddy stole his brother's cassette tape of uh, Eddie Murphy and hiding under a blanket to listen to the, the swear words and giggle at it, you know? And I remember just laughing at the stuff that wasn't even 
the funny part. He just said rubber penis, and we thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing we'd ever heard in our life. You know, we didn't even get the joke. We just heard that. I was like, woo, that's it. Genius. Yep, yeah, comedy yeah. gold. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely remember just loving to laugh and, and have those giggle fits and and seeing that it happened more often than not when I was with friends, you know, we just laughed till you couldn't breathe. Well, obviously a huge part of your act um, is the fact that you have cerebral palsy and that you live yep. with it. Uh, at what age were you diagnosed or what age did, like, did your parents yeah. have a t- talk with you or, or what was that experience like when you were younger? Also having these very, like hilarious three older siblings with like dry humor and a father with that. Yeah. Well, uh, so I was born in Cameroon, West Africa. I don't know if we ever discussed that. We have never talked about that. No. Yeah. I was born in Africa. My dad was teaching English over there and uh, I happened along and they didn't have all the proper uh, medical facilities there. So it wasn't a smooth C-section and, uh, Basically, I almost died, and they medevaced me from Cameroon to New York, like on the third day of my life. Like I flew wow. around the world, um, and then I got some good, uh, you know, medical treatment there, and came back. And they they just weren't sure as far as what the outcome would be. You know, babies are pretty floppy anyway, <laughs> so they didn't really know that I I had palsy till later in the development stages. My mom uh, said one time I was sitting up, like just learning to sit up, and then she handed me a cracker, and I just fell over because I paid attention to the cracker, but I didn't have enough going on to concentrate on both things. So the the muscles kind of took a break while I went for the more important snacks. Was that, I mean, obviously, we're talking about comedy, we're talking about being young and, you know, delivering a joke in high school and having everyone laugh. I mean, did was there an element of, did you feel like you had to kind of perform to a certain element or beat anyone to, you know, ki- sure. beat anyone to something that they would say, like kids are very yeah, blunt? I mean, there's definitely, definitely uh, some of that was going on, you know, Um I was one of the only disabled kids in my school. Me and my friend, Nick, we were the first palsy kids to go through mainstream school. So there's a lot of learning in that where, you know, the teachers have never taught a palsy kid or or a disabled kid, you know. So, um, but then you're right, you know, kids could be really mean, but I was always really quick on it. Like, and I would make the joke before you did or... Uh, you'd make a joke and that I'd make a better joke about you. And then you look pretty dumb when you're <laughs> getting made fun of by the disabled guy. So it didn't really, it wasn't in their benefit to mess with me. Plus I've just always been a people person. So I just, I didn't necessarily have one click that I stuck to. I could go between clicks and everybody knew me and would welcome me in, you know? And then how do you get to, comedy then i mean you uh, you were also a paralympian you yeah. were a soccer player so you went to the paralympics which uh you talked about in america's got talent which was hilarious like the you know your retelling of these experiences <laughs> in your set you know you obviously spent a lot of time doing sports so then how do you go from sports to to comedy and when when did that light bulb go off for you well, you know, it's really weird. It was always kind of in tandem. Um, I always loved being an athlete. Like I, when I was a kid, I played a lot of street football. And just I was a really good wide receiver. I was super fast. And, you know, being disabled, a lot of times, other times, kids would underestimate me. And then, you know, six touchdowns later, they're like, well, we got to figure out how to cover that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I've always just enjoyed being like athletic and kind of, I want to say show offy as far as it goes. Like, I like to show you that just because I'm disabled, I can beat you. Uh, I mean, uh, like, 
even though I have palsy, I'm I'm gonna give you a run for your money in whatever sport we're gonna be playing. You know, it's just kind of a a really fun thing where I also like talking trash. So the humor was there while doing sports, and that just kind of grew and grew. Like I discovered doing stand up comedy in college, and then I also tried to you know I played soccer in college, and then. Once I got out of college, I found the comedy scene around the same time I found the Paralympics. And all of a sudden, these two crazy lifestyles skyrocketed in different directions. So I just became the big star in Denver and started doing national stuff, doing comedy. And then I started traveling the world playing soccer. Like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Would you say that you're fueled by people underestimating you? I really do love that, honestly. I mean, if you, you know, it gives me a bit of a reason to, to do better is because you don't think I can. And uh, I, I, I don't know, nothing I enjoy more than watching some able bodied person slack jaw when I score another goal or whatever it, it is, you know. Um, your father is a professor. What did he, I mean, what's funny is anyone who comes home to tell their parents, like, hey, I'm going to play soccer like professionally, competitively, and I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. Like those are both, like soccer in America is already like, you know, it's not like it's a sport that, but football, baseball, you know what I mean? Like everyone's like soccer is considered more widely like a European sport. And then also stand-up comedy, everyone's like, Oh, you're going to be like, you know, I remember the idea of telling your parents, like, I'm going to be an actress. They're like, oh, are you? Well, we're waiting to welcome you home. We just sent you through four years of college. You're not doing that. (laughs) Well, I was very fortunate in the fact that um, by the time my parents saw me do stand up, I had already been doing it for a little while and I already was making waves in the scene. So. Um, and my parents have always been very supportive. You know, my mom said, she's like, I saw something like that for you. I didn't know it would be stand up, but I always saw you being some sort of speaker or entertainer or something. Someone in the spotlight. Yeah. And then soccer, you know, uh, you know, not too many people can just decide to try out for the Olympic team and then be on the team, you know? I wish I had known about it earlier in my life, honestly, because I could have been playing for so many more years. But um, I found that like when I was 22 years old or something. Uh, What is one of your greatest memories? I mean, I know we're coming off of the Summer Olympics of this year, and it is just something, especially given all that's occurred in the world in the last two years. It is an event that just brings the whole world together in, uh, in hope. Um, do you have fun memories of that experience that uh, that you that you are reminded of when you see the Olympics on the TV? Sure. I mean, there's lots of just amazing. I've been to eight countries playing soccer for the U.S., which is pretty cool to be able to say, you know, um, just being able to say you represented your country in anything is, is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, going to the Olympics, you know, I was in Athens in 04. And, you know, that's the birthplace of the Olympics. It's pretty cool to be able to go there and see all that. And um, just being in the Olympic Village is always one of my fondest memories. It's not even playing. It's just being in this community of all disabled people. Like, I'd never experienced anything like that. Like, like if you were able-bodied in the Paralympic Village, you were the minority by far. You know, like... It's pretty cool to just finally be around everybody that had something going on. Is that the only time you've had that experience? Yeah, I mean, I guess I went to like a disabled camp when I was really young. But after that, my parents just sent me to able camp. <laughs> you know, there's only so many times I can beat the the girl in a race with her legs that are two different lengths. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you come home from the Olympics and uh, you start to really just focus on comedy. At what point were 
I mean, th- those are two also very different lifestyles. I mean, the life of an athlete is just, you know, training. <laughs> I would assume just training focus. And then the life of comedy is obviously a lot of focus. You got to write. You got to like really, you know, it's it's hard work to have a good set. But it's also like late nights, comedy, like dirty comedy clubs, bars, yeah. like, uh, you know, just constantly being on your toes, constant travel. I mean, those are just two very opposite experiences. Um, when did you ju- did you immediately just fall in love with the comedy lifestyle or was that just uh, I would assume also as like a man in your 20s. That's a pretty fun lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you described it pretty well. That's what it is. It's <laughs> staying up late, drinking, and doing shows, and hanging out with other horrible comedians, and partying, <laughs> and doing fun stuff. And then, you know, and then you're supposed to get up early at 6 the next morning and jog. And those two don't go hand in hand well. Uh, and I definitely put more energy into the stand-up side than the Olympic side. <laughs> well, you've done very well in the stand-up side. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. 
with so many sample packs, new products. It's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code challenged right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code challenged. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back there was a show on called last comic standing huge show and you were the winner of the 2006 season of yeah. uh, last comic standing did that completely change the game where had you already established like a healthy fandom obviously within denver yeah so i mean i was already pretty becoming pretty well known in denver i had started doing touring like around like a lot of college gigs and all that, but I hadn't really broken into the comedy club scene yet. I was more of like, uh, you know, let's bring this disabled comedian into a college for disabled awareness week, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and then once last comics hit, it just blew the doors off everything. Um, I've been doing 200 shows a year since last comic standing. That's incredible. Uh, that is yeah, just wild. Yeah, been doing that. And then, obviously, now that I just did AGT, mm -hmm. uh, again, the doors have been blown off again. So it's pretty pretty cool. Like, it's a pretty crazy ride that I'm on right now. But, yeah, Last Comic definitely opened all these avenues, and I started playing the comedy club scene and just be, you know, like I said, I've been doing this since... Uh, 2006 just touring touring you name the spot i've been there <laughs> <laughs> what goes into writing your set i mean i know that especially in your early years did you feel obviously you you've spoken a lot about living with cerebral palsy and like and and the moments that you live with in your life that you find like hilarity in and, and pure comedy in that other able-bodied people would completely miss out on. Uh, what uh, did you make like a conscious decision in your early comedy days or did that kind of develop later on of like, okay, guys, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about palsy, but also I, there's a whole bunch of other things that I want to talk about too. Have you ever felt that yeah, I mean, I definitely remember a time where I realized, like, because I was doing stand-up in college and, and getting pretty well-known on campus for being a stand-up, which is weird, and I was talking all about everything but the palsy at the time, and then uh, when I would mention it, it would get this bigger response of people like, uh, connecting to it, you know, I believe everybody has a disability, no matter who you are, you got something going on that you can relate to being held back or something. And I felt like the more I was able to be raw and real about my own situation and not ignore the fact that I do have cerebral palsy, then I was able to then dive into the other topics even more because I brought you into a level of comfort with who I am, raw facts about palsy, and then then I can talk about being a dad, whether that's a palsy-related thing or just being a dad that everyone can relate to. And you, f you found that just kind of experimenting with your own comedy. Did you have other comics that you began to know at a younger age that kind of took you under their wing or um, that you you know, kind of got an insider information of it. Cause I would assume, you know, for, I, I mean, I'd make the assumption for everybody, but I'm sure others, some people don't feel this, but that it's difficult getting on stage and being incredibly vulnerable and not only putting yourself out there to be funny, but so much good humor lies in truth, you know, it, it you know, yeah. and so finding that balance of like, you know, wanting to obviously make everyone laugh. And then also, you know, being vulnerable on a stage uh, within that as well. 
Well, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely did uh, buddy up with a couple of comedians, local comedians, and we were inseparable. That was a big part of it. It was like they were older comedians had been through the scene before, and they just kind of took me under their wing. So that was interesting. Uh, very lucky to be have those dudes in my life that just, you know, we'd hang out outside of the club. You know, we'd go get dinner together before the show, you know. Um, and another big thing that I feel very fortunate is that where I moved in Denver, when I first moved to Denver, it was a 10-minute bike ride from downtown Comedy Works. And they brought me in, like, once I established myself, I could go to any show, anytime, and I would literally go six nights a week to the comedy club and just sit there in the back, drink beer, and watch whoever the comic was. And I got to just like see how they would change their show day to day, or I could hear what the staff was saying about them, or I, you know, I'm learning about how the whole machine of a comedy club works and I just embedded myself in one of the best clubs in the country and I just got to learn and watch and, and be part of this this big machine and it's pretty cool and you know getting to see comics that are these you know I saw Brian Regan I've seen Chappelle I've seen you know you name the comic they love this club and I've got to work with most of these people and um just amazing to get to sit in the audience too and just be be an observer and and then also on the other side I got to see a lot of comics that I didn't like and I also I think I learned a lot more from them like okay I don't want the server to talk about me the way they're talking about this guy you know uh and I also realized that the servers in a comedy club have a lot of say in what goes on there Oh, interesting. They're the ones that see every show. So they report back to the heads of places and go, hey, this guy came in. He was a sweetheart. He was fucking hilarious. And he tips well, you know. So then they're like, oh, well, we definitely want him back next year. You know, so it's like building that friendship, too. I mean, we live in a society of content creators with social media these days. I think on mm -hmm. one hand, that's incredible. And it gives everyone the opportunity to create and have a platform and showcase their art, their, their funny, their music, their, any, their talents. Um, but there is nothing more magical, I think, than just a live, just a stage and a microphone and just a live performance. And, um, yeah. and to your, what you're saying, like that is not something that can be taught and watched on a YouTube video or a masterclass. Like you really no. just need to be in the club and it's the grind and it's seeing mm -hmm. people fly. It's seeing them fall right on their face. Um, mm -hmm. what are some of the big takeaways that if anyone's listening or, or, you know, stand up comic dreamers are listening of, you know, one, maybe your best advice on crafting a set or something that you kind of remind yourself even to this day when you're crafting your set and two, um, just how to kind of attack the grind. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as crafting a set, everybody's so different. Like I've never written anything down. I've never really, like, I've never like sat down and go, okay, what am I going to talk about? I just go on stage and that's what comes out like i put little very little forethought into it as far as like working the words up i do have ideas and like oh that's a funny idea and then i'll go on stage and say it and and then if it gets a laugh then i'll say it again the next night and then i'll say it again the next night and the next night so i i get to do like i said 200 shows a year so i'm constantly just writing on stage and at this point i can come up with an idea and go oh that's gonna work and i already know i know how to say it right it's the timing and the the delivery all that is in there but for me it's like i think i'm not normal in the fact that i don't write it down at all so um but as far as being uh wanting to do stand-up if there's somebody out there like i said find a way to go to that comedy club every night that you can and just sit there 
and observe and, and learn what that is because uh, the second part of your question was about the grind. You got to know what you're getting into, right? I mean, be careful what you wish for because if you get <laughs> successful and you're not a good road person, then what does it matter? You know, I mean, the road is not an easy place. It's a lot of downtime that's very boring. <laughs> well, it's impressive hearing you say that you don't write things down, especially coming off of America's Got Talent as a finalist. I, I mean, that is seems like my worst nightmare. Like literally <laughs> being on a stage with a zillion cameras and an audience and like Heidi Klum and Simon <laughs> Cowell. Uh it just seems like a very uh, stressful uh, situation, which you handled beautifully, obviously. Um, I think a sign, in my opinion, of just a really great comic is one that is patient and, and able to like enjoy the silence for a minute. The one that takes a breath. And you're so good at that. You're so good at letting a joke land, rest, and then just like you know, you get the the audience anticipating like, oh my gosh, another good one's coming. Like you you give that breath within uh, within your work, which I think is um, really fucking great. But yeah. then how do you handle a situation like America's Got Talent? I mean, was that just a completely wild ride or were you just like, this is just another gig? Well, I mean, to me, uh, I look at it a couple ways. Obviously, they want to know what jokes I'm going to say. So I have to give them the the set, you know. But I always tell them, like, you can write this down if you want to. It's going to be something like that. It's mm -hmm. not going to be these exact words. Because it's like you say about those silent moments, those moments. Like, that's nothing I can think about directly. It's uh, As soon as I think about it, it goes away. But when I'm just doing it... The, I say it in the time that the energy in the room is ready for it. I just feel it, and I was like, okay, here it is. And it's like just a, a weird timing thing that I have no idea how I do it. You know, it's <laughs> weird. Watching America's Got Talent, I always think of like the backstage area where it's just like such a random grouping of talented yeah. people. And I just imagine everyone sitting there being like, this is the. Like if just if the walls could talk, like just the most bizarre experience where someone's got dogs, someone's like throwing flames, someone's trying uh, like, I, I mean, what was that experience like? What was the casual conversation like at like the, the lunch table or crafty? Yeah, you know, it was definitely a, a eclectic group of people. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting because of COVID, there was certain protocols, so. They didn't really have as many people all together as usual, but um, for the most part, it was just really cool getting to meet everybody. And, uh, you know, the season I was on, everybody was so talented, I thought. I mean, there's a lot of amazing different acts. That's what's weird about AGT is like, you know, last comic standing, I was competing against other comedians. AGT, I'm competing against like a little girl that can sing Pavarotti, you know? And I'm like, that's like comparing uh, apples to carburetors or something. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to like tell the little girl, like, I'm, you're going down, bitch. Like, yeah. you don't want to be like, yeah. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, I always joke about like hip checking them in the hallway, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, you know, we were talking about the grind earlier and during AGT, there was a really beautiful segment where they interviewed your children and they were just yeah. talking about uh, how proud of you that they are. And, and in that moment, they're like tears are in their eyes. I mean, it was, I mean, especially I haven't seen them since they were little, little, and now they're just growing up and it, but it was just mm. such a beautiful thing first of all what a wonderful thing to have on video forever that you can always yeah. use as collateral and be like see how much you love me and how proud of me you are well, um i should say this that only took five hours of recording to get that three seconds of material <laughs> she was crying because she was hungry <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there might have been hunger, but just a, but also maybe slightly proud of her father. Do you feel yeah. like that was maybe what like was this their first time seeing you at work? Like I know that sounds silly, but I mean, when I was little, little, my dad was gone a lot because he was a doctor. And when mm-hmm. I was little, little, I just always thought like, well, my dad's just gone because he's right. busy working. And it wasn't until I was older that I obviously saw and understood what he did. And right. it, I just shifted that mentality in my mind. Like, do you think for your kids, like, had they seen your sets before? I know comedy clubs are usually for an older clientele. So was this kind of the yeah. first time that they saw like dad at work in like the coolest way ever? You know, there's been a couple of times where I had to bring them to shows. Like I just couldn't find a babysitter or something. And they they told me later that like, Dad, we snuck upstairs and watched your set. I'm like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> it's like I don't have a big head. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Like <laughs> you know. Um so and then the other thing is that we have that comedy radio station here in Denver. And they listen to that all the time. So they heard me on there a bunch, but that's different than seeing it on TV, obviously. But, um, and my daughter is a big fan of AGT. I had never watched the show before the season, but. <laughs> well, it was really beautiful to watch them watch you. That was really a cool experience for those watching through the through the screens this past year. What was your experience like being in LA during the filming? I mean, you while you're performing you you usually you have such up to date stuff where literally you're talking about things that happened the day of whether it's something that someone said to you i feel like that's usually like a theme anytime i've seen your your set there's always like someone who has said something like completely ridiculous or offensive or just you're like how is this human person speaking right now and why did they think that this was appropriate to come out of their mouth um in those moments like is there one that just sticks out or is there one that always gets the laugh or is there one that like to you are you laughing in that moment or are you just ever like so tired of it or are you like thank you for this comedy nugget that i'm now going to use in my set yeah, I mean, you know, those nuggets are, are definitely gems and blessings when they come around. Um, things that you just like, you could have never wrote that in a million years, but it just fell in your lap. Um, maybe I had to go through the actual experience to get it, but, um, you know, the one that I I always think of like that is uh, I was in Reno and this guy, I pissed him off pretty bad i don't know what i did just walking down the street and he started yelling at me and and he really he really insulted me he goes you ain't got no fucking hobbies (laughs) no hobbies come on man i paint like come on (laughs) what what a time what what a just yeah it's just (laughs) Like hobbies. Hobbies. He, he got me. He got me on that. That one is cold. There's a lot That's, of things that could be even said, but like it's it is hard to acquire hobbies, especially right. as an adult with children and yeah, you know, like, as on, a man. working parent. I got a job, man. Shit. Like hobbies. I'm a right. working single parent, sir. Yeah. It is yeah, hard geez. to schedule in hobbies. Yeah, exactly. I wish I had time for hobbies. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. 
From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. back well you got a lot of time for a lot of shows coming up um are you excited to be hitting the road i know during covid everyone was doing like zoom shows everyone's doing like live zooms and live zoom concerts did you do any zoom comedy shows uh i will say i did zoom shows i don't know they were comedy (laughs) Uh, um you know i did quite a few shows uh yeah, at first I was very stubborn, like, I'm not doing that shit. That's not stand-up. That's not how comedy is. And then by week two, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I actually sat down and like was like, all right, dude, here's the deal. You better learn how to be funny in this format, too, because this might be it for a while. So... You want to be the best one there is out there so people keep booking you. So, um, you know, I've done probably 20 Zoom shows now, which is a lot. A lot for Zoom shows, yes. Yeah, it's a lot for sure. But I do, I feel comfortable now and confident. I don't try to like stand up. I just sit like, sit down and do it. You know, it's a different different beat different cadence but yeah did you try to stand up in the first one yeah i tried to have a microphone and walk back and forth like a full body shot with your zoom cam it was terrible it was terrible (laughs) (laughs) what a time what a time and zoom really sucks for stand-up too because you can't hear the laughter either (laughs) yeah i think the only successful zoom activity we participated in during the pandemic was um there was a magician like there was an la magician which you know literally i don't know how they did it but there was like a whole thing like magic box that showed up at your house and then all of a sudden like a balloon was set free and then it shows up at your door so all i envision is like people driving all over la just like waiting in people's front yards to like spook them with like a mystery red balloon that's like part of a trick that you're seeing on a zoom it just it just made uh it was it was very cool also slightly terrifying and creepy yeah, but it's interesting I don't, I don't trust magic fuck magic um <laughs> like here's a balloon full of covid for you yeah. <laughs> Great. thank you <laughs> um so you're gonna be very very busy i i mean i would imagine that um that this is similar, like you, you've had this experience on two very prominent, you know, television series and, and, and winning and, you know, being in the top, top tier. Um, and obviously those are big waves, you know, and I think for any entertainer, any artist who works in, you know, a more kind of like spotlight arena, that there's always waves, you know, there's times when you're right. a little bit more in the spotlight and other times when you're kind of trucking along the side. And so what has been the, I remember having this conversation in your kitchen one time. Yeah, probably. I think we did talk about that. Just like, you know, and you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm on, I'm on a wave right now. It's great. You know, I've been paddling by the side for a few years again, but again, it's back touring again. I'm, all over the map. I'm selling out shows, adding shows. Um, you know, I'm talking to people about doing some potential TV shows that should be awesome. Um, yeah. When you're in the wave, is there anything that you look back on when you were kind of idling along or in the truck? 
Like, I don't know how, I don't know how we wear it a wave in a truck, but you see what I'm saying. Like, is there anything you can look back and see yourself while you're in the truck, trucking along that you appreciate or that you would tell yourself or anyone who is in that position? Um, Cause I think it's always easier to hear from like you've, you've had many incredible waves in your life and this is just another one and you're going to have more. And I know that. Um, but I think it's always great to get advice, um, you know, from that perspective. Well, it's interesting that you should say that. And thank you for saying that about, you know, the waves for all of us, you know, I look at this as a huge wave. What's the next one after this? But usually when I'm in the wave, I ain't got time to look back at anything. I'm just being tossed around, uh, you know, just trying to survive doing the shows and being a parent and doing all that stuff. But I always just try to constantly, um, no matter where I am at in the wave, remember that I got here by being me and by being the person that I am and try to maintain a level of respect for the craft, respect for the fans, respect for the work. And then when it's there, it's there. And then just know that the next wave will come eventually and just keep doing the best you can. Like people, I've said, like, you know, I'll come to a comedy club and be half full. And they're like, you perform like you were playing at the Superdome, you know? I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I give these people the show that they came to see and then just do that? And if you do that your whole career, people are going to be like, that guy brings it every time. So I always just try to, like, maintain that level of um, professionalism toward what I do. I love that. Well, now I'm just going to be selfish in the rest of the interview and ask you to clarify um, some events from one, which is one of my favorite stories. And um, <laughs> so you obviously attended my husband's bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents have a place in Montana. It's a cabin. It is beautiful. literally, it's beautiful. It's on the top of a mountain. Like you, there, you do not see other houses from this cabin. You are in the middle of nowhere at this cabin. Um, and so I just would love to know, one, how did you get the tomahawks in your suitcase? And then two, can you share some of the events? of Because you were the welcome wagon of the, the trip, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, and I would just really love for you to share the sure. story from your perspective oh yeah definitely um well some tomahawks i i fly with those all the time um, well, how, how do you die so <laughs> i mean not that many but uh well so i i know joe for a little while before i got invited but i didn't really know the rest of the band or anybody so i you know, find out it's me and the fray. Like, okay, this, what should I bring? I was like, a bunch of axes. Why not? <laughs> so they're all musicians. They need their fingers. And, uh, and I just thought it'd be like a funny gift to give everybody just a, their own axe. Or and so I think I brought like seven tomahawks and like one pair of underwear. You know, that's all we needed. And, um, and you know, you can check anything you want, basically, in a check bag. You can put a gun in there. So, you know, I always figure if there's tomahawks in there, they're more concerned about that than the weed or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great strategy. It's very true. No one's sniffing around for weed if you see, if they, you just seven, have, like, tomahawks. Seven yeah. axes in there. <laughs> so... I, I brought them because I like throwing axes and I showed the guys how to throw some axes. And again, I would just like to say that I don't know if you knew this tidbit, but I uh, shared a queen-size bed with uh, Isaac the whole time. <laughs> so uh, I got to fulfill many people's fantasies, that, uh, but yeah. not mine. Not <laughs> mine. Uh, waking up to him every day, like snoring in my face is, I'm <laughs> flattering. Um, it did not save your life, we could say. No, 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 it did not. Uh, and then, so, 
Who was it? Somebody showed up later. Like they came in a couple of days. I, I think it was one of our it was one of our buddies. I forget which one. One of Joe's friends from Denver as well. I forget which one. But yes. So there was someone who was showing up late. Well, and I had also not just brought the axes, but I also brought a couple of different uh, outfits like characters. And <laughs> as one I've does. Been, and I have been doing this like real backwoods trashy guy uh and then they went to go get the buddy from the airport and i said when you come back you guys don't know me just pretend like you've never met me before and sure enough they pull up they come sit by the fire having some beer and then i've been just laying in the woods waiting for him and then i just come out of like into the firelight like what you boys doing and they're like oh hi you know and joe's like hey hey man and he's just playing along and uh, i mean i was ruthless i i kicked over their cooler and took a beer I was like you boys keep it down i got my people in there i'm trying to sleep and they were they were playing it up good but the guy that just showed up was like Terrible. He was ready to fight, you know? He was like, uh, we got to protect ourselves. And then, <laughs> and then, like, I went back in the woods. I was like, I have to come back up here. It's not going to be pretty. And, and and you're just like, I just hid in the woods for a while. Just watched them like, oh, my God, what was that? Oh, and the poor new guy just did not. He said, we should call the cops. We should call the cops. <laughs> and then finally, I... I did reveal myself later. Like it, I tormented him for like an hour in the woods. And then um, after we revealed that we we're buddies, that I don't think that guy ever really liked me after that. He's just like, he's like, I don't, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> like the whole rest of the trip, he just didn't say anything to me. He's like, nope, you're an asshole for sure. I think that was the logic that when, like when Joe's telling me this story, I'm like, wait, but you're all going to be hanging out the rest of the time after you scare the shit out of this guy. Uh, and uh, oh, man. And I just it, the, it just the whole thing tickled me. The one, the commitment of you just waiting and lurking in the woods. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Just... And knowing like how many beers I'm sure you gentlemen consumed around the fire pit that that yeah. uh, evening. And just, uh, I mean, the commitment to the... And I also just love that you showed up to a bachelor party with tomahawks and characters, just ready to go. Yeah, ready to go. Might as well see what, what I can do to the fray. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I love your commitment. I love your... Uh, you are you just fueled by your passion, your talents. Uh, you are fucking hilarious and as a friend and obviously as a comedian josh thank you so much for doing this i'm so glad we finally got to make this happen i'm so yeah. glad th th i'm so happy for you and your incredible year i'm not surprised by it because i've just watching you for years i'm 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 just thrilled uh for you um obviously everyone can go to joshblue.com to see your upcoming touring dates uh and they can follow you on social media as well where can everyone follow you yeah just josh blue comedy is all my social so instagram and facebook and all that and yeah uh, i also have a bunch of specials on amazon prime right now so if you got that you can watch them for free or uh, lots of other awesome things going on. Just check in at the website. And uh, it's so good to see you. Honestly, I, I I miss you guys so much, and I can't wait to come out to Nashville and uh, see what you guys are doing out there. Well, we're on four acres, so I'm expecting tomahawks as our housewarming oh, present. Them. I'll bring them. Okay, good. Uh, a whole <laughs> for the family. Yes. Perfect. We had a new baby. She needs a tomahawk too. Can't I know. leave her I'm out. Not <laughs> I'm just so in awe of comics, how they can. And the grind is the fascinating thing to me, because I think musicians obviously have a grind, you know, where they're on stage every single night performing and singing. But comics, that's just you. It's just you and a microphone on a stage, bringing a whole room full of people together and laughing. And I think that that's what we need. I think that 
like not only Josh, are you so funny, but just the gift of laughter that you gave the world in this past season of America's Got Talent. I, I just, we all needed it. It was fantastic. The world needs you, Josh. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. Again, check out joshblue.com or at Josh Blue on his social media. Uh, please go see his shows. You will not be disappointed, um, except by the fact that you're going to have to hold your stomachs in from laughing so hard and just try not to pee your pants. That's probably going to be the most difficult part of the show because it, he's hilarious. Josh, I adore you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will have an all new episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you next week. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Acast.